The Live with Squacky podcast is sponsored in part by Mid-Atlantic VoiceOver and Antland Productions. You know what I love about hosting my own podcast? Well, everything actually. But I really enjoy having the opportunity to interview new guests, as well as people I've already had the chance to meet. My guest today is Vanessa Smith-Richardson. Vanessa is an award-winning voice actor, improvisational actor, and producer with over 20 years' experience. She's bilingual in Spanish and English, born in Colombia, South America, and raised in the U.S. Vanessa is a full-time podcast host for several different shows on ParCast and Spotify, and has been doing that for several years now. I met Vanessa in 2012 in New York City at a weekend animation intensive workshop hosted by Bob Bergen. She was still living on the East Coast at that point. Vanessa is so talented, and I can't wait to catch up with her. Thanks so much for joining me on the show today, Vanessa. Thank you, Val. It's such a pleasure to be here. Oh, my God, I love, I just love you. Oh, <laughs> Your thanks. voice makes me so happy. <laughs> yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. This is so fun. Thank you so much. Of course. Can you start off by telling us how you got started in the voiceover industry? Absolutely. Well, I'll try to keep this brief. This might be the longest answer. <laughs> so I grew up around the entertainment industry. My father's a producer and editor, kind of a renaissance man. And he edited feature films and many music videos, like when MTV was first starting. So I kind of grew up around all this stuff. And I was around it from an early age, and I loved the creative energy there in this industry. So I studied design and illustration in college because I loved acting, and I used to perform in theater as a kid. But I was told I'd never make a living as an actor, oh. which I love because now I'm making a living as an actor. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up following in my dad's footsteps. I worked in production soon after graduating college. First, I worked in post-production with my dad, then in production on several shows, Discovery Channel. One day, a producer put me in front of a microphone to do a scratch track for a segment that was going to air on 2020. I will never forget the second they put me in front of the microphone and handed me the script. What is this sensation? <laughs> Bob Bergen would say, you have to get high at the mic. You have to love it so much that yeah. it's like this exhilarating feeling. That's exactly what I felt the first time I was in front of a microphone. And they ended up using my Scratch VO on the show, which was a bonus because I was excited to hear my voice on TV, which whatever, that's, you know, my <laughs> ego formed, I guess. It was really just a fun feeling. And that was in 1996 when I was living in Miami. And I still worked in post-production and production after that for years. And I eventually moved to Maryland and went on to manage the audio department at a large post house in D.C., around 2001, the early 2000s. Still a decade before I met you, Val. It's <laughs> still like a while before I met you. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's crazy. So at that point, I was hiring talent, uh, among other things, scheduling sessions and, you know, working with engineers and talent and producers. So I learned early on what worked and what didn't with talent. You know, I listened to many demos and I knew when a talent was a hobbyist or a professional. I saw the ones whose demos didn't represent their actual skill, like their demos were amazing, but then they'd get into the booth and they couldn't produce the sound that they had on their demo. I saw amazing, talented people who were a joy to work with and were very successful and adored by the producers because they made them look good. I learned a lot. I remember one political season there was a voice actor who was getting her hair done in the middle of the day. And politicals can be very quick turnaround, very fast-paced. And she wasn't available. She had the dye in her hair, so she couldn't <laughs> leave. She lost. She ended up losing that campaign because she wasn't available. So I remember, you have to be available. I just learned so much during those years. So that's kind of how I got my start. It's <laughs> a long answer. but <laughs> from, oh, wow. from, yeah, <clears throat> from my childhood, it kind of like progressed. It was a, it was a journey. <laughs> 
I vaguely remember that that was your start. I think you did tell me that story when we met, but I don't know if I remembered all of it. So it's really cool to hear it again. Yeah. Thank you. I don't really talk about it a lot. So this is kind of fun for me to to share. (laughs) Well, when I met you at the workshop in New York City, you were still coaching for a studio there. Do you still do any voiceover coaching? Yes, I I was. Let's see. I coached for about three years back in the early 2010s, both the intro to voiceover and the business of the biz in large workshops. And I coached voiceover to individual students as well. I loved it. But then things started to get busy and we were planning a cross-country move because we were moving from Maryland to L.A. And I wasn't able to dedicate the time to my students. So I had to stop for a long time, actually. Yeah. I mentored some people through the years. But now I am starting to coach just a few students again. Most notably, I'm kind of proud of this because he's such a gem. He's such an amazing person. I'm working with Jay Shadler, who was a 2020 correspondent. He's Emmy award-winning correspondent and personality. He's just such a lovely person, but he wants to get into voiceover. So I'm working with him. And I'm also teaching an improv class once a week in the outskirts of LA, where I live. And I have to just put this in because I can't say enough about improv and how important it is to voice acting and honestly, life. Even if you're not an actor, I think improv is so important. I could literally do a whole presentation on improv because it really changed my life. More specifically, Gary Austin, who was the founder of The Groundlings in Los Angeles. He was a genius and practically my family. But yeah, improv is hugely important to, I think, everybody, in my opinion. Oh, definitely. I I remember going through that training in New York City was such an amazing experience. I mean, I'll just never forget that. But I remember that Bob was saying... Improv is the key. You have to take regular acting classes and you have to learn the methodology behind it and everything too. And that's all really helpful. But improv is what's going to set you apart from the other actors. So after I finished that, I found a studio in Richmond, Virginia, and I went and took four different levels of improv and just worked my way through it. And I just remember thinking, man, I'm really bad at this. Like, no, it's just so bad. Honestly, I've had really good experiences with improv, but I know that there are sometimes there are teachers that maybe aren't great at guiding or explaining or whatever. Truly, like it's seeing, breathing, hearing, reacting. We improv every single day in our lives. And it's beautiful when you can do it with a structure and then you just end up feeling comfortable in your own skin. That's how it should be. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I was really nervous about it at first, but I had already been in acting classes. So I kind of did know the methodology behind acting. And we did a little segment of improv in my acting class. So I had some background in it, but... I was in there with all these 20-year-olds that were (laughs) still in college and whatever. I think I was really only in my 30s at that point. I wasn't that much older. (laughs) I just remember going through the first class and, you know what? No one knows you here. No one cares. Like, just go for it. And that's what got me through. And then I took a second one and a third one and a fourth one. It was just, okay, you know, and it was so great because one show that we did, I just remember this one scene in the last show. I just came out with something so unexpected that it just literally brought the house down. And then it was just totally worth it. I got the laugh and I wasn't even trying. (laughs) That's beautiful. That's when you get the laugh, when you're not trying. I love that. I love that. Yeah, and it's helped me so much. I do think, though, that it's the kind of thing where you have to keep taking it. You can't just take a few classes and then go like, well, I'm good. I know how to do improv. Right. Because you kind of lose it, you know? Totally. It's a muscle. Totally. It's a muscle that you have to keep working out. That's awesome that you're doing some voiceover coaching again. And I can imagine that you're a fantastic coach. So I'll definitely refer people to you if you're looking for new clients. (laughs) Thank you, Val. Cool. I I love working with people who are really, like, serious and excited by it. 
so tell me about your work on Parcast with all the true crime stuff and Spotify <laughs> as a podcast host. What's that like and how's it yes. going? It's been amazing. I absolutely love it. It started almost seven years ago now. I can't oh even believe gosh. that. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even know what a podcast was. I literally got a call from a father-son team. They're Max and Ron Cutler. And these guys are the sweetest, most humble, down-to-earth, just so smart. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet. This father and son are calling me. And they're literally just the sweetest guys. And Max, the son, is a total visionary. He's incredibly kind and just a good person. And the guy is brilliant. He came up with this podcast company called Parcast, who was bought by Spotify eventually. But Parcast was basically a broadcast company or network for podcasts. It was a new concept. He wanted to stay kind of in the true crime genre. This guy was so brilliant. He saw the true crime boom coming before it even was a thing. Yeah, it's um, incredible. It's isn't huge that crazy? now. It's huge. It's blown up totally. It's the biggest genre in podcasting. And I didn't even know what a podcast was. I thought it was just people like talking about stuff. And I'm like, (laughs) do I have to know about that stuff? Like I can research. But so I took a page from my improv training and I said, yes. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll come in and read for that. Sure. Podcast. Yeah. So I went in for the audition and they were like mini audiobooks. It was so much fun. I still learn so much every single day. The most podcasts I had at one time for podcast were 10. So I'm going to just do it. I have a little list here. I'll I'll list them off quickly. Oh, yeah. If I may. Of course. (laughs) I did a daily show called Today in True Crime, a show called Mythology. Then there was Mythical Monsters, Tales, which is the true stories behind the fairy tales, the Disney tales that we know now, the actual true stories, which are actually not for kids. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It's fascinating. (laughs) Uh, One called Female Criminals, which I love. Cults, which was also a, a very popular show. Secret Societies, which is sort of like cults. Remarkable Lives, Tragic Deaths, which is basically famous people who died tragically. There was one called Not Guilty, which actually when that show ended, they were like, oh yeah, I think we Kim Kardashian's going to take it over. I was like, oh. And she ended up doing a different show. Her show is very popular. Oh, and wow. of course, Serial Killers, which remains our top show. That's wow. Serial Killers is still running. So we have an amazing team of writers and researchers. They're cranking out so much content. Parcast is known for its well-researched shows. Like we have, it's not salacious. It's very well-researched, informative. We don't glorify bad people, but we do explain, like we go into the psychology, like dig into how they became the way they did. That's so cool. It's super, it's very fascinating. I love it. Amazing, my gosh. Yeah, it's still going, thankfully. It's incredible how much content there is, and it's exploding. The podcast industry is just exploding, and it still continues to grow. It's changing now. It's shifting a bit, but it's still growing, and people are really into it, which I love. It definitely has changed and evolved over the years. I mean, I've been, this is, we're in season four of Live with Wacky, just audio-only version, but before I did this audio-only version, I did three seasons on YouTube. That's amazing. But it was in video format, so the editing part of it for me was just like, oh my gosh, it was so... That's really, yeah. It was so crazy, you know, and part of it was from a lack of experience and trying to figure things out on my own without any help from anyone, you know, but then, and it was successful. People were watching and I probably should promote it again and people would start watching the YouTube version again, but (laughs) I'm more concerned (laughs) with this version of it. It was so much fun and so interesting to see people's 
facial reactions at things that you say and have the conversation with them. <laughs> I, I liked that. But then after a few seasons, I was like, I'm a voice actor. It makes more sense to go into an audio-only format. Editing-wise, it's going to be easier for me. And then I was able to get a co-producer. So he does all the major editing for me. So Uncle Roy Yokelson does all of the major okay. editing of every show. And I really couldn't do it without him because I just edit for content and he does all the sound work. You know what I mean? So awesome. Yeah. We all need an Uncle Roy. We That's do. So, yeah. so cool. He's amazing. Yeah. Aww. It's one of those things where it is kind of changing because from the time I began in the video format to now, everybody and their brother has a podcast. So it's like, right. okay, well, you got to keep evolving and changing and coming up with something unique, unique right. content because everyone else is just kind of doing the same thing. Right. So if you want people to listen, you have to have something different and unique. So, I mean, Absolutely. my voice is different and unique, but I don't know it if is. it's enough to get people to listen all the time. So I got to have good content too. <laughs> Definitely. It's funny. It does go hand in hand. I love listening to you just in general. So yeah, but yeah, that does. It's so true. You got to have all those things. Yeah, Which is funny though, too, because stuff. sometimes I literally do just get on here and talk about whatever, you know, and people just yeah. listen because they're like, what is she blabbing about this week? You know? <laughs> It's just kind and of fun. It is. I found myself listening to a couple of yours just because it made me feel good. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm so happy now. Like, oh, thanks. <laughs> Let's go back and re-listen to that positive motivational message you left yeah. a few weeks ago. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Obviously, the true crime stuff is one of the highlights of your voiceover career so far, I would say, right? But yeah. what else would you say? I love this industry because everybody's story is so different. So I wrote down a couple of things here for this question. One of the highlights was Elena of Avalor, which is a Disney show. And I oh got to play it. A part of uh, Rosario Gutierrez, which is the mom of one of the main characters. And she's a character that I've done for a long time. That was the first time she's booked something. Basically, my grandfather from Spain, who I adore, he just passed last year, but goodness, oh, sorry. he was, oh, you're so sweet. He was 97. <laughs> he, oh my he gosh. He had a fabulous, a long, <laughs> wonderful life. So Good. he, yes, yeah, so it was really nice to give him an homage, even though it was a female character. He was the inspiration for yeah. Rosario. And then the variety of jobs. Like, I love meeting amazing people. So one job I did was for a McDonald's spot. And I met a uh, fellow voice actor, Ted Evans, in the booth. We were both booked on this job. And instantly, you know, I'm his girlfriend. And we have a whole backstory. And it's like, it's just so fun to kind of dive into stuff. And then after the session, we're like, oh, hi. Yeah, I'm Ted. Oh, hi, I'm Vanessa. And then years later, we saw each other, for example, just last month at VO Atlanta. He's just such a great person. So it's so great that the community is fantastic. But you asked me about the highlights of my career. So one highlight was in the same week I played an on-camera character, uh, Mother Seton. So she was a saint, Elizabeth Ann Seton. And that film is played at the Seton Shrine in Maryland. Oh, cool. And a couple days later, I was in the booth voicing these horrible, evil mutants in the Fallout 3 video game. That was years ago. <laughs> but then that was the first time I had, had to curse for a job in voiceover. And getting oh, no. to pull out that range, it was so much fun. And just knowing that I had just played this saint. And here I was, like, screaming these curse words. That was one of the highlights. I think there are many I have a few stories, but that's probably one of the fun, just showing the juxtaposition of what we do. It's so random. <laughs> I love it. It is, totally. Well, how's life in LA versus the East Coast? <laughs> oh man, it is so different. I love both, I gotta say. I have a lot of family on the East Coast. I spent many, many years, a big chunk of my life on the East Coast. I lived in Maryland for about 15 years, and I worked up and down the East Coast from New York to Miami. I started my career in the Mid-Atlantic in Maryland, D.C., Virginia area. So it's technically a smaller market, and I loved it because 
coming from my background in production, I knew how things worked from a hiring standpoint. I was able to leverage that knowledge and kind of focus my efforts when I was training and making my demos. I did a lot of narration for Discovery and National Geographic, both based out of Maryland, Mm -hmm. as well as the corporate and government. So not a lot of commercial, really no animation out there. But I did do a video game, of course, Fallout 3, I mentioned Bethesda Softworks is in Maryland, and that helped me get my SAG card. So I started there. I did all that kind of foundational work before I moved to L.A. So I think that was the biggest thing. There's a ton happening in New York. But I felt like when I moved to L.A., I really wanted to do more commercial work, more animation was my thought. Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure where it was going to go. And honestly, I moved with my family. I was excited to be here, but I also was really ready to dive in. I felt comfortable in front of the microphone. I knew my abilities. I was hungry for the work. I still am. That doesn't go away. (laughs) So I was able to get an agent quickly and begin auditioning and working pretty quickly once we got out here. L.A. has a lot more opportunities in terms of commercial animation and overall work, but times are really changing, especially after what we went through with the pandemic and, you know, lockdown and all that stuff. So casting agents, I'm seeing they're widening their nets and they're casting anywhere a voice actor has a professional quality recording setup. You know, obviously you have to have the talent and the training and the desire and be in the right spot and have the access to the auditions. But if you live anywhere, you can swim in the pool pretty much for almost all genres of voiceover. So it's really changed a lot. And the tech obviously has really opened the playing field to everything. You know, life in LA in general, I just, the weather, I love the beach. We have beaches in on the East Coast as well and all kinds of fantastic things on the East Coast. I've had a really good experience so far. My family comes out to visit. Luckily, it's a good place to come visit, (laughs) for sure. So my mom does come out often, but otherwise, I do love life out here. It's great. (laughs) That's awesome. It was so cool to visit L.A. that time. We got to go to lunch that time. It was fun to just be in that atmosphere. And I feel like it's such a surreal experience because the energy there is just so great. And there's so many actors. You just feel right at home. Yes. That's what I love about it. I don't feel like when I'm there, I get a true life experience of what it would be like to live there because I'm going to lunches with people and like staying in the Sophie Hotel. It's like not a normal experience, you know? (laughs) Right? Right? It's still fun though. Yeah, it's so fun. I know. I need to do another trip to LA soon. It's really fun. kind of comical, almost comical how everybody's an actor because at one point I had to do some physical therapy and my physical therapist was literally on an episode of Oh, God, some show I was watching. I'm like, oh, my God, that's my physical. He was also an actor. So it was like so comical. Everybody's an actor. The plumber, everybody. I was saying this to someone before VO Atlanta. People ask for advice when you go to conferences. What's advice? Always just recognize that when you go to these big events, especially, or any conference, you should just anticipate that whoever you're meeting could be someone that does on camera and voiceover. And you should never eliminate the idea that they could hire you or help you in some way, open some doors for you. Definitely. So I met this guy at View Atlanta and I'm like, this guy looks so familiar to me, right? And we're having this great conversation and he's giving me advice and I was nervous about this class I was going to take because I'm always nervous, you know, like when, why would that be unusual? I'm going to give you some advice. And he shared the story with me. It was so great, right? And then after, are you an on-camera actor too? Yeah, he's been in Law and Order and all this other <laughs> stuff. And I was like, wait, whoa, hope. Okay. And it was just so funny because I was, oh, that's where I have seen your face before. You know yes. what I mean? These huge television shows. You never know who you're going to meet. And that's another reason why just being a good person, a good human being is so important. Obviously, that's not something you can really teach. You're, you know, you either are your right. aren't, I think. But, <laughs> you know, it's really nice when you see someone with a really open attitude. 
you know, kind people tend to go further. And I saw that back in my days when I was hiring talent. It's like your audition starts the second you walk in the door. It's true that the minute you walk in the door, you're meeting the people that you're going to work with. And people want to work with kind people. And you never know who you're going to meet. Yeah, I think I made that mistake early, early in my career when I went, I think probably when I went to VO Atlanta for the first time back in 2013 or something like that. And I learned so quickly, oh, this is an agent and this is a casting director. Pay attention. Don't do anything stupid and make sure your business card is ready to go. That's my advice to people. There's so many jobs happening with referrals now from people that you have no idea who can just, oh, you know what? I'm not right for this part, but I know this person who is right for it. So I'm going to refer you. That's happened to me so many times. In fact, I think the majority of my work comes from referrals. I don't think it's less from the agents these days and more from referrals. Although I do love my agents, by the way. I'm just going to say that. But (laughs) And even the things you book through your agents. It's like then they will recommend you to other people. That's definitely how it works. The producers talk to each other and clients talk to each other on both ends. Like you should maybe stay away from this or definitely work with this person. She's amazing or she's, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, Yeah. Have a good experience. Yeah, that's so important. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Live with Squacky. Tune in next week for part two of my fun interview with Vanessa Richardson. Live with Squacky was mixed and mastered by everybody's favorite voiceover tech, Uncle Roy Okelson of Antland Productions. Live with Squacky is sponsored in part by Mid-Atlantic Voiceover LLC and Antland Productions. Quack, quack.